Hey, we're in a series and we're calling it Christmas Present. And um, we're working uh, off this whole sense of God's presence among us. And so last week we talked about no present. And we used the Bible and we had you open up your Bible and opened up to the end of Malachi. And between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew is usually one page. And that page is 400 years that are known as the intertestament time or the 400 years of silence. And the reason it's called 400 years of silence is because um, there was no prophetic voice. There were no inspired writings during that time. And as we saw last week, it's anything but a period of silence. So if you missed last week and you want to pick up on that, just go to the website, uh, download sermons, and you can catch up on it. Uh, it really was uh, quite a thing to walk through together. This week what we want to talk about is... Um, Surprise presence. You ever been surprised when somebody walked into your life, right? You ever uh, just hadn't anticipated the event happening and, uh, you know, simple things like a birthday party or an anniversary or that kind of stuff. But some of us have been surprised by love. The person we fell in love with was not anywhere close to what we thought. And like we were just shocked that they were the person. Right, honey? And um, <laughs> both ways, by the way. Let's let's get that right. But um, um, you know how you look at people and you go, mm-hmm, mm-mm, no. Story for another time. But have you ever been surprised by presence where, whoa, and suddenly your life is different because of that? Certainly that, that's true of Jesus. I know in my life I was absolutely shocked to meet the risen Christ. Had Didn't have a category for that. Didn't expect that, wasn't looking for that, and actually fought that fairly hard because I was afraid of what that was, right? His presence has changed my life, and uh, it's not just in the pastor role. My life is very, very different than what it was before I knew him. That's also a story for another time. But um, this morning I want to look at uh, being surprised by his presence. I want to start in Luke. This is one you know very well, Luke chapter 2. And it's the story of the shepherds. And if you look at verse 10 and 11, it says, The angel said to them, Fear not. Now, the problem when we read these stories is we've heard them all our life, and they're locked into concrete. Not not real concrete, but kind of emotional concrete. We kind of go, oh yeah, angels showed up. Oh yeah, they did that. Oh yeah, they went in. Okay, it's just kind of rote, matter of fact sort of thing. But think about this. If you're shepherds, they didn't have light. Right. They didn't they didn't have like searchlights or beams or uh, all the stuff we know about today. They didn't have um, batteries. Right. There, there was no such thing as flicking on the lights. Right. They had uh, stars and the moon. They had candles. Right. They could put those in a lander. Oh, wow. Three feet. Awesome. You know, that was the kind of light they had. They didn't have Light like we understand light. So when the angel shows up, we can go because of Steven Spielberg. We now can imagine what that looks like, right? Because we have special effects and we go, yeah, that would be just be awesome. But they they had nothing like that. So when the angel showed up, that's freak out city deal. Like they had never saw or even thought about anything like that in their life. And so when it hit, they weren't like, hey, check it out. Awesome. Right? They were like little bugs scurrying for some place to find cover. And that's why the angel had to say, hey, fear not. Right? It's, dudes, it's cool, we'd say. Right? That's how we'd say it. Chill out. It's all right. And he said, I have, a, I have a message for you. Behold, I bring you news of great joy 
that will be for all the people. For unto you this day in the city of David, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is born. And like the true geniuses that they were, they said, you know what? Let's go check that out. We ought to, that doesn't happen every day. We ought to go see what they're talking about. They were shocked by God's presence. I mean, if you're a shepherd, do you think about God showing up? No, right? You're a shepherd. On the hierarchy of society, you're down at the bottom. You're out in the field, and you've got sheep poop, and you've got sheep breath, and you've got smell of hay, and you've got dirt, and anybody who's a farmer knows what I'm talking about, right? And you're not expecting anybody royal, let alone divine, showing up. Oh, God may show up with the, the mucky mucks and the big wigs and the power brokers, but he's certainly not going to show up with the sheep poop people. Right? That just doesn't happen. Royalty doesn't show up with shepherds. And so they had absolutely no expectation of God showing up. Have you ever uh, done that? Have you kind of walked through life just going, you know what, God's not going to show up because I'm just me and I'm a shepherd and I'm sheep poop. And he doesn't show up with sheep poop. He's not going to be there. I I don't expect him. And so you kind of go through life. But God has an amazing way of showing up in very unexpected ways. And I want to say this this morning. God is not limited by your doubt or by the picture you have of how he can or cannot show up. God can show up any way he wants. Right? In any form he wants. In any direction he wants. Because he's God. And he shows up in very surprising ways. It's, it's littered all through the Bible. Let's take a look really quick. And uh, you know these, but let's look at them. First of all, remember this one, Jacob? Remember Jacob's ladder, we call it? And it's the story of where he's out in the desert and he falls asleep and suddenly he sees a ladder, a stairway that ascends to heaven. Now, pause for a minute because again we go on autopilot and go, well, of course, God spoke to Jacob. That's how it worked. But... These are bad circumstances for Jacob. This is not a good deal. He's fleeing from home. His brother wants to kill him. He's ripped his brother off of uh, his blessing, right? He's stolen his birthright. Uh, and his, his, his dad probably mitigated a little bit, but uh, his brother wants to kill him. So he's fleeing. He's going to his mother's family. They're 1,500 miles away. He's never met them. He knows nothing about them. And so in the middle of this journey, he's stuck out in a barren desert. And I mean barren desert. It's so bad, it says that he took a rock for a pillow. That's comfy, right? REI should market that. Okay? Make a lot of money. Kind of like the pet rock. Hey, pillows. Yeah. See if society would buy that. But... This is not a, a comfy, he's at extreme ends. And he's out there, there's nobody out there, there's no sounds, it's dead silent, and he sees this dream, and we talk about the stairway, but the most important thing about the stairway isn't the stairway. And it isn't the angels going up and down at it. Because if you read the passage, what makes the key point there was that God was at the top of the stairway. Not only was God at the top of the stairway, but God talks to Jacob and he says, hey, I'm the God of Abraham and Isaac. Why is that critical? How do we know that title? Abraham, Isaac, and not the God of Jacob yet. He's introducing himself. And Jacob is stunned because God's looking at him and he says, he says I'm going to be with you. And then he makes all these promises of how he'll be with him. And Jacob wakes up in the morning and goes, my gosh, I thought this was desert. And this is not desert. This is actually the house of God. 
And, and so he names the place Bethel, which means house of God. So if you ever go around and you see a church and it's Bethel Church or Bethel Baptist Church or something like that, that just simply means the house of God. It's taken from this story in the Bible from Jacob. And Jacob now is suddenly introduced to God. I don't think he had the expectation he was going to meet God on this journey. He was exiled. Let's look at another one that's really familiar and kind of the same frame, but you remember this one, Moses in the burning bush? Moses is a prince in Egypt. He's told by God he's going to save his people. He decides to try and do that. He sees one of his people getting built up. He kills a guy by his bare hands, right? By the way, it says Moses is the meekest man on the face of the earth. But never equate meekness with weakness, okay? That dude killed a stud with his own hands. That, that's, uh, don't be messing, dude. And so he had this big picture. Any of us in here ever had a big picture of how God was going to use us? We're not going to be like the average person. I'm going to do great stuff for God, man. I'm going to kick butt for the kingdom. I'm going to really do something for him, right? And then it all falls apart. <laughs> Moses is ejected from the kingdom. He's not only ejected, he gives up everything he's known. Pharaoh's after him, trying to kill him. Not only is Pharaoh trying to kill him, his own people reject him. Go, who do you think you are? Who appointed you, Grand Poobah, you know, savior and rescuer? We don't buy you. Ah. And so he's busted. He's out in the desert. And what's he doing again? Sheep, right? Gone from a deliverer of a nation to herding sheep. What does that feel like? Any of you ever take a, you know, I was saying job promotions, lateral up, right? But there's also down. Any of you take a down one? What does that feel like to a guy? Imagine going from being the prince of Egypt to the shepherd of sheep poop again. All right? And he's out there in the desert. Does he have any expectations? No, it's, it's over. I blew it. I blew it. I, I had a chance. I don't know exactly what I did wrong. But whatever I did, I did it wrong. And I, I blew it. I, I, I just blew it. Is there any hope in a person like that? Is there any optimism or confidence in a person like that? No, there's none. Right? He's out there doing sheep. And as he's doing sheep again in the desert, again barren, he sees a strange sight. There's this bush burning and the, the bush isn't burning up. That would be strange, right? If you come to my house and we have our fire, little fire pit we put out in front in the driveway and put some wood in and Roger and Carrie come over, we have some hot chocolate, right? And if you were sitting there watching and the wood wasn't burning up, you'd say, Steve, that's weird wood. Right? What kind of wood is that? Could I get some of that wood? Right? That's, that's really different. I've never seen that before. It would catch your attention. And that's what it did for Moses. He said, man, I've got to go check this out. That's kind of weird. And so he goes, checks it out. When he gets there, God says, take off your sandals for the ground you're standing on is holy ground. He had not expected the presence of God in the wilderness of his life. Does that sound familiar? Any of us not expect God? in the wilderness of our life, neither did Moses. And God spoke, spoke to him the vision, and you know the rest of the story. Going nowhere, and God shows up. This same God also met with Moses again on Mount Sinai, and I guarantee you, Moses did not have a picture. If you read through Exodus, he did not have a picture of where the plan was going or how it was going to play out. And nowhere did he say, hey, I'm going to spend 40 days up on the mountain and spend time with God. It just rolled itself out. And as it did, God, uh, the passage that uh, Zach used during the song, said the Lord God passed before him and proclaimed the Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abounding in goodness and truth. 
keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression of sin. Bah, amen. Right? He proclaimed his name to him. Moses was shocked, not just once, but several times by the presence of God. Uh, look at a couple other ones that, that you know. Here's one, David and Samuel. David knew God was going to use him. He wrote Psalms early on when he was a shepherd. But he was the least in his family. And when Samuel came to the family, Jesse said, hey, uh, here's my son. Samuel said, hey, get your sons out. I want to see him. And so Jesse paraded his sons by and Eliab, the firstborn, went by. And Samuel thought, man, that's got to be the dude. And it wasn't. And, they kept, and finally, none of them were right. And Samuel's confused and Jesse's confused. And certainly the brothers are confused because they're thinking, hey, I'm the guy. And he, Samuel says, are there, do you have any other sons? Right now, he paraded six by. That's a weird, in our culture, we wouldn't even know to ask that question, right? Because we don't have that many kids anymore. But he said, well, yeah, there's, there's still one. He's kind of the kid, and he's over in the pasture shepherding the sheep. And Samuel said, well, I'll wait till you go get him. And, you know, this isn't like, you know, Jesse didn't get on his cell phone and said, hey, Davey, come on home real quick. We got somebody here to see you. Right? Wasn't that kind of setup? They had to run out, go get him. He brought him back, and you can imagine his brother sneering and that kind of stuff. David certainly didn't expect the presence of the Lord, but what does Samuel do? He anoints Samuel as king over Israel, and David knows for sure the things God has been saying to him are finally going to come about. Have you ever waited a long time for the presence of the Lord to show up in your life? And it seems like it's taken forever, and he made some promise to you, and it seems like he's not coming through with it. God's presence doesn't always come the way we thought. It doesn't always show up the way we figured it or the way we anticipated. Didn't for David, uh, doesn't for us. How about this one? Gideon. Remember that story? Aaron uh, did this at men's retreat, and then he was here yesterday morning for the men's breakfast. And uh, it was a great breakfast. But he talked again about how the angel appeared to Gideon. Wasn't a good time again. The, the Ishmaelites had invaded the land. Gideon's taking some uh, grain that isn't even ripe. He's hiding in a well. He's threshing it out, hoping it can at least get enough to eat something, anything. And the angel appears, up, appears to him, and the angel looks at him and says to him, The Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. <laughs> Who? I think you got the wrong neighborhood. And he tells the angel that. He says, do you, I, I don't think you got this right. Now, this is Steve Mitchell's language, right? But you can read the story for yourself. But he says, I, I don't think you got this right because you know who I am? I'm not who you think I am. Okay? I, I'm, our clan is the least in the clan of Manasseh, which is least of the clans. And my father's family is the least of that clan. And I'm the least of the brothers in that clan. You got the wrong guy. You're... you're what are you talking about, almighty man of valor? Why would you be so shocked? Did Gideon have a lot of courage? No. You ever been really afraid? Have you watched our culture been really afraid? What if God came to you and said, almighty man of valor? Ladies, you go, that's good. Talk to the guys. We're left out. That's awesome. Right? You're coming up next. Right? Nice try. Guys, do you naturally feel courageous? I don't. And I know if God came to me and said, almighty man of valor, I'd tell him he made a mistake too. I don't know who you're talking to, but you got the wrong card file, right? You better go back through, wrong hard drive. Card file, old, sorry. Yeah, I saw that look. I knew right as soon as I said it, dead. Okay, back to the message. Here we go. Um, 
But he just looked at him and said, you got the wrong guy. But then God's presence showed up. And because of God's presence, Gideon was able to do things he never would have dreamed he'd been able to do and used in very significant ways. How about this one right here? Again, now we take this and we go, well, of course it was Mary. And of course the angel came and spoke to her. Why? Because it was Mary. And because it was Mary, Mary just handled that well. Think about this. This is a 15 to 18 year old girl, maybe younger. Okay. And at that point in her life, we know that she's betrothed to a man named Joseph. So at that point, she's not really thinking about God. Who's she thinking about? The guy. Right? She's thinking about the guy. and She's thinking about getting married. And she's thinking about all these things that will roll out. So she's rolling with this. And God shows up in her life. And uh, in this case, very significant. Because the angel that showed up was the angel Gabriel. The two most powerful angels that we know of in Scripture are Gabriel and Michael. And Gabriel said to her, I am the one who sits in the presence or stands in the presence of God. So it was a very important messenger. As if Jesus came himself. And he says to her, guess what? I got news for you. God wants to use you. And guess what? He's going to overshadow you. And guess what? You're pregnant. Was that the message you think she thought God would give her? Right? I mean, think about that once. Dads, is that the message you'd want for your teenage daughter? I'm not thinking the timing's really good on that for mine. Right? You're looking way too holy. That's uh, not, right? I mean, and think about the altering effects of God's presence coming into Mary's life. Her whole world, as she knew it, was upside down. Radically different. It was just went ka-ping off on a different trajectory. And anything, I'll bet you, she had ever anticipated. And God's presence changed the whole picture of how she understood life. Have you ever had God's presence come into your life and it just radically changes the course direction of where you were going to go? Just U-turn. Whoa, you thought you were going that way and now you're going this way. That That happened to Mary. We talked about the shepherds, right? You know, you think about that. This is one of the most amazing stories in the Bible in terms of God manifesting his presence to a group of people that didn't expect it. And here's what I want to say about that, is that God can still manifest his presence in any way he chooses fit, because he is the Lord God Almighty. He is the living God. He's not restricted by the limits you have placed on him in your mind of how he can show up. All right? We say, well, God can do this, he can't do that. Who says that? Why? All of these examples were things that were out of the box. All of these things, none of the people said, by the way, God's going to show up on Wednesday, 1.30, we'll meet at Burger Bob's, and um, we'll have to do a little time together. That's not how it worked. God showed up uninterrupted on his schedule. He just walked in and and dialogued with his people. And, And sometimes we... Don't expect God to show up like the shepherds. I guarantee you they weren't sitting there going, hey, I bet you God shows up tonight. Mm-hmm. This is it. We know it. Yeah, I've had a premonition. I knew too. I knew he was. No, they had no clue. They weren't even looking for it. Have you just gone through life? Have you ever given up that God's ever going to show up? You don't even look for it anymore, right? That's, that were these guys. How about um, this, Herod and the Magi? There's some people that don't like the idea that God would show up. 
God showing up in their life is not a good thing. And they will actively resist it. They will actively fight it. And uh, they will actively push against it. Herod, as soon as he got wind that there was another king, what did he do? He inquired intensely to figure out where that was. Why? Not because he wanted God's presence. He wanted to eliminate God's presence. Now, we can get on Herod, right? And he's not your most favorite character in the Bible. And get on him about, okay, why, you know, why did you do that? That sort of thing. But the reality is, have you ever said no to God? Have you ever told God you don't want his presence? You ever told him, I don't want to obey. I don't want to do what you've asked me to do. This is the way it is. I'm just fine. You can take me this far, but you can't take me any farther. And if you do, I will oppose you. I'll push against you. I'll resist you. You're looking way too confused. Let me simplify it for you. How many times have you told God no? Nope. Mm Mm-mm. Ain't doing it. Well, if you have, then you understand the spirit of Herod. The presence of God is a threat. The presence of God is fear. The presence of God needs to be eliminated. You are out. I don't want you. And Herod actively went, went to do that. By the way, if you're in the middle of that battle, and because uh, appearances are deceptive, right? You could, there's so many different places all our hearts could be. But you might be actively fighting God this morning, and I don't know who I'm talking to, but if you're actively fighting him, I would tell you kick out of middle mode and just go full-fledged. Really fight him. And by the way, if you want to do this, just tell him never while you're doing it. I never will do that, right? Just, just kind of salt it with that. And, and then, you know, in a little while, you'll probably come in and see me because it won't be going very well for you. All right? That's how it goes with people who fight God. God told Paul it's hard to kick against the goads. Think of some other people in the Bible. It's simple stories like the woman at the well. Do you think the woman at the well had any expectation that the presence of God would show up in her life? No. She had five husbands. The guy she was sleeping at wasn't even her husband. She was worn out. She was beraggled. She was burnt out on relationships. She was just existing. God doesn't show up for people like her. She's dirty. She's polluted. God's, there may be a God, but he's a million miles away from me. Do you think she ever expected that when she went to the morning in the well, when she had to get up early? I got up early this morning, frost on the windows, it's cold, walking outside. It says the woman was out there early. Why? Because she didn't want anybody else to know she's at the well. Why? Because she'd catch crud. I had other words for it. But she'd catch crud, right, for being that woman in town. Oh, you're here again. Right? And so she was out there early. Do you think she expected God to meet her at the well? Oh, yes, I thought you would come. No, she figured God was anywhere but where she was. And she was shocked that he showed up. She was blown away by his presence. And she was blown away by the questions he was asking her. She didn't really have a category. And if you go back and read that story in John 4, she fumbles through the whole thing. She actually doesn't know what to say. Uh, How about the man at the pool of Bethesda? He's lying at this pool for 38 years. Think about that. 38 years. He's been sick. He's lying at this pool. When the waters would stir, they would rush in the pool. The first person in the pool got healed. He'd been there 38 years. And Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, would you like to get well? Do you think he said, you know, I know who you are, and I know you're writing the New Testament, and I know this is one of the stories you're going to use, and you know what? Yes, I do, because I know you're the Messiah. Do you think that's how he responded? No. No. He had no clue who Jesus was. 
He didn't expect God to show up. He was, he had given up on getting healing. How do you know that? Because it said, his response to Jesus is very telling. You know, I've laid here for 38 years and when the water stirs, somebody always gets down before me and I don't have anyone to help me. I.e., I will never get in the pool. I'll never make it. I'll never feel the refreshing, healing waters and I can go back to what used to be and live my life again. It's kind of over for me. Have you ever felt it's kind of over for you? That God's presence isn't there and you don't have his help to get in the pool? So a lot of us are like that at church. We come to church, we do church, but we can't get in the pool because we don't have anybody to help us. And we've laid there a long time and then God comes and says, hey, do you want to be healed? I go, well, I would if I could get in the pool. It seems like everybody else has life. It seems like Jesus is talking to other people. I, I hear, I see God working on other people. I don't know why he's not mine, so I guess I'm just going to be comfortable hanging out at the pool. I'll never get in the pool. You know, if I, I had one thing, uh, if you said, Steve, what would you rather have? Would you rather have a lot of money so the church can do what it wants to do? And would you like to have move the mountain paid off? And would you like to have all this money over here? Or would you take the healing of your people? I would take the healing of our people in a heartbeat. How many of us need some form of healing? And we have nobody to get us in the pool. I would take the healing of our people in a moment. He's known as the great physician. And we need his presence among us that he would heal us. I don't just want to be a group of people that lays at the edge of the pool and said, boy, if we could have just got in, we would have really experienced his presence. It doesn't make any sense to me couple other characters. Pilate. Pilate was shocked. Jesus showing up in his reign was not a good thing. It was a huge distraction, interruption, a huge irritant. And Paul. Paul literally was going on a journey. Very intense man, very focused man, had a direction for his life, and he literally got knocked off his horse or donkey, whichever he was riding. Jesus' presence in his life just flipped him literally head over heels. By the way, I can relate to Paul. I came to Christ in a powdered milk factory at 3 in the morning. I I know what that feels like, just to be upended by the presence of God. And Paul was never the same because he had run into the presence of God. Now, these are great stories, but here's the problem. There are pictures, and a lot of them are these old antiquated medieval pictures and 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 they feel as old and dry and dusty as the stories do yes mitch great job you know your word you know the stories you don't even have to have it laid out there you're talking through them that's fantastic but it doesn't connect emotionally right and so we wrestle with how could we connect somebody being surprised by the presence of god how could we um Create an emotional response for you that would connect with what is it like to run into the presence of God? You know, in Romans 8, it says what? Abba, Dad, right? Abba, Father. Abba means Daddy. What is it like to run into the presence of Dad? The presence, being in Dad's presence. Did you watch that? It's not a sterile thing. It's not this dry, stayed, oh yeah, we get to do it again. There was an incredible passion and power and joy to that. It's not only that, um, but the question is, who else needs to meet Dad? Right? If you've been in His presence, you know His presence, certainly this is a call for us not to do Christmas without His presence. Don't do Christmas without Dad. It's, it's His holiday. It's His Son. 
It's His Spirit. But it's also a question of who still needs to meet Dad. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up and uh, get ready to lead us in worship uh, as they do. And uh, what you can see up here is we have boxes. And in the boxes, uh, you can see that there are some... Uh, it's a package that looks like this. And I want to show you what the package is and uh, what's inside of there. But first of all, what's inside of there that will go over really well is a little ornament uh, that the kids here at church and some of the adults have helped make. And so it's a it's a gift to whoever you give that to. And then also in the uh, package is a uh, an invitation. Don't do Christmas without them. It's an invitation to our Christmas Eve service. It has huge directions on the back. You can see that. But 3, 5, and 7, three options for different families. And then also in there is a little uh, hello from me as the pastor so they can see what I look like and that kind of stuff. But you can say, yeah, he's our buddy and you could come. And if all of that there fails and that doesn't win your friends or neighbor or family over, we also have chocolate inside. All right? <laughs> So there's chocolate, and chocolate works wonders. But the idea is uh, this morning, whoops, I'm dropping stuff all over the place here. The idea is this morning is who needs to meet him? Who needs to meet his presence? Who needs to be surprised by God this Christmas? And God may lay someone on your heart. You need to know we prayed for you all week long that before you even came here, God would lay someone on your heart. Who is it that needs to be surprised by his presence? What you do uh, is we're going to worship together. And as we're singing, you're going to come up and you can take one, you can take three. Depends on the names that God gives you. But you're going to take this and you'll take it to your friend or your neighbor, your family member this week. And you want to say, hey, Merry Christmas. This is an invite, a, a, a gift from our church to just welcome you into his presence. And uh, and so you see the boxes right here. You'll just come up and uh, and we've already taken ours, taken ours from first service. But um, so as we're worshiping, if God places someone on your mind, you come up and you can come up by yourself. You can come up husband and wife you can come up family you can come up single. Uh, but as the name's place, you come up and we will worship and think about that. Who needs to be introduced to his presence this Christmas? Zach, I'll give it over to you.